What is the greatest single word that's ever been spoken? Well, I'm not sure if there has been a greater one than our Lord's sixth saying from the cross. In English, it's three words, but in the original language, it's just one. Tetelestai, it is finished. Spurgeon says it would need all the other words that ever were spoken or ever can be spoken to explain this one word. It is altogether immeasurable. John Flavel comments, it is but one word, but in that one word is contained the sum of all joy. Think of the joy it would be for people in Ukraine to hear the words war is over. That it was all finished, that that life could start to go back to normal. Think of the relief it might be to us to hear that the the cost of living crisis was at an end. But those things are, are nothing compared to the joy that this word on the cross brings us. Perhaps you've known what it is to live with a long-term illness or to have carried a sorrow with you for many years. What a joy it would be for that illness to be ended and that sorrow to be healed. Well, What Jesus says here on the cross means that, that one day all those things will be healed for all who trust in him. But it means even more than that, uh, far more than that. Because that healing will just be a small part of what his death on the cross achieves for us. So like all these seven sayings, this one sheds light on what the cross is all about. And on why Jesus came into the world in the first place. And there's nothing more significant than we could think about today. The one who finished creation and pronounced everything very good, now finishes redemption and cries out, it is finished. We're going to look at this penultimate saying of our Lord Jesus under three headings this morning, uh, spending most of our time in the first two. And the first one is that Jesus' death on the cross finished a work that had been planned from eternity. Jesus' death on the cross finished a work that had been planned from eternity. Many think of the cross as an unplanned tragedy which cut short Jesus' life. As if the main purpose of Jesus' life had been to be a good teacher. But the cross was simply what happened when those around him rejected his message. And yes, they say, as it turned out, Jesus' death on the cross was really profound. It turned out to be the greatest demonstration of love there's ever been. But, but they tell us it wasn't what he hoped would happen. But of course, that couldn't be any further from the truth. The Bible makes clear that far from Jesus being the victim of circumstances, His death on the cross had been at the forefront of his mind from the very beginning. He had come to earth with a very deliberate purpose. And on the cross he could say it is finished. Because by his death on the cross that purpose had been achieved. Philippians 2 verse 8 talks about Jesus becoming obedient to the point of death. 
even death on a cross. So going to the cross was part of Jesus' obedience to his Father. It wasn't that he did it unwillingly, we'll see that in a moment. But the point is that far from being an unplanned eventuality, the cross was what Jesus had set his face towards from the very beginning. We looked at Acts chapter 4 a few months ago uh, and in it the early Christians uh, see Psalm 2 as speaking about Jesus' death. And they say, For truly in this city they were gathered together against your holy servant Jesus, whom you anointed, both Herod and Pontius Pilate, to do whatever your hand and your plan had predestined to take place. What happened on the cross was nothing other than what God's hand and his plan had predestined to take place. And Jesus came to this earth for the specific purpose of fulfilling that plan. He says in Luke 22, For the Son of Man goes as it has been determined. And he did so not reluctantly, but willingly. Speaking of his death in Luke chapter 12 and using the language of baptism, our Lord said, I have a baptism to be baptised with and how great is my distress until it is accomplished. He says of his life in John chapter 10, No one takes it from me, but I lay it down of my own accord. He speaks prophetically in Psalm 40, saying, I have come as it is written of me. I delight to do your will, O my God. So the death of our Lord Jesus, far from being an afterthought, was part of the very deliberate plan of God, with the Son willingly and joyfully coming to fulfil that plan. So the words, it is finished, tell us that Jesus' death on the cross was in fulfilment of the very definite plan of God. So Jesus' death was, was deliberate, but what was it intended to achieve? Was it just to be an example for us, as some would say? Well, one verse which tells us uh, about both the necessity of Jesus' death, uh, but also about what it achieves, is John three fourteen. Uh, there, Jesus refers to an event recorded for us in the book of Numbers, and he says, "As Moses lifted up the servant in the wilderness, so must the Son of Man be lifted up, that whoever believes in him may have eternal life." Some of the boys and girls did it by this in Sabbath school a few months ago. When God's people were in the wilderness and you remember Moses set up this bronze snake on a pole. Uh, the people had been dying from snake bites because of their disobedience. But God told Moses to set up this bronze snake and anyone who looked to it would live. And now that picture is fulfilled in a far greater way. Jesus is lifted up on the cross and whoever looks to him by faith is saved. It's all you have to do to be saved, to by, to by faith look on Jesus. Because on the cross, Jesus was bearing the wrath of God against his people's sins. 
Jesus talks elsewhere about drinking the cup that his father would give him to drink. And on the cross he drinks that cup right down to the dregs so that there's nothing left for us to drink. As Peter summarises it, he himself bore our sins in his body on the tree. By his wounds you have been healed. Jesus' death on the cross finished a work that had been planned from eternity. And by that work, by his wounds, we are healed. That brings us to our second point this morning. Jesus' finished work on the cross means there's nothing more for us to add. Jesus' finished work on the cross means there's nothing more for us to add. What exactly is it about this word from the cross that means it can be described as containing the sum of all joy? Well, quite simply, it is that by saying it is finished, Jesus removes any thought that we might have that we have to add anything to what he had done. I'm sure you know what it's like to buy something with gift vouchers. Uh, And sometimes the gift voucher that you're given covers the whole cost of what you want to buy. Uh, But sometimes the gift vouchers only cover part of it. Uh, And while those vouchers may significantly reduce the cost of what it is that you want to buy, you still have to pay something. But is that what it's like with Jesus' death on the cross? Is it a part payment? He pays something, maybe a substantial part of what we owe, but but we still have to stump up the rest. Or to change the illustration, does Jesus' death on the cross construct a bridge from heaven uh, to us? And yet the bridge isn't quite complete and it's up to us to add on the final section. Well, this sixth saying on the cross is a resounding no to all those scenarios. There is no part payment left for us to make. There is no final section of the bridge for us to build. Because those words, it is finished, means that there's nothing left for us to add. And that is infinitely good news. If Christ hadn't finished his work for us, our sin would quickly have finished all our lives, all our comforts and all our joys. Without him finishing his work on the cross, no son or daughter of Adam could ever have seen the face of God. That's what's at stake here. If he had almost finished the work we would almost have been saved, but that would, have been, that would have meant nothing because to be almost saved means to be certainly damned. So what a huge relief it is to hear that he has left nothing for us to add. As Hebrews 10 puts it, for by a single offering he has perfected for all time those who are being sanctified. 
one sacrifice which fully and finally pays the price for all our sins. And so what we come to today, it is not a sacrifice because there has been one sacrifice offered for all time. Have you ever asked yourself whether you've done enough to get into heaven? For many people, that's a question that tortures them because they hope they've done enough, but they're not sure, and so they can never rest. For others, it's a question that leads to pride because they conclude that they have done enough, whereas those around them haven't. But as believers, that question doesn't have to torture us. And nor should it lead to pride. Because what answer must all of us give to the question of whether we've done enough? Well, it's no, no, we haven't done enough. We haven't done enough to make it to heaven. And we never will. But why does that lead to despair? Because Jesus has done enough. We haven't done enough to make it to heaven and we never could. But Jesus has done enough to get us there. By ourselves we're facing a bill that we could never pay. Maybe you've had that sinking feeling of a a bill arriving through your door unexpectedly. And you think there's no way I could ever pay this. I, I just wasn't planning to have to pay this. But, but then it's there in black and white. And we face something infinitely worse than that when we first come face to face with the truth of Galatians 3.10. Cursed be everyone who does not abide by all things written in the book of the law and do them. If you don't always perfectly, constantly do every single thing written in the book of this law, you will be cursed for all eternity unless you trust in Christ. We're left with a bill that we could never pay. But the Lord Jesus wonderfully takes our bill and writes on it, paid. There's nothing to add. It is finished. And it's hard to stress how revolutionary this is, how different it is from what we would expect. If we were making up Christianity, we would expect Jesus' last words to be more like Buddha's last words. What were Buddha's last words to his followers before he died? Strive without ceasing. What were Jesus' last words to his followers before he died? It is finished. And there is all the difference in the world between those two things. On the one hand, strive without ceasing. On the other, it is finished. Another translation of Buddha's final words is, work hard to gain your own salvation. Buddha was dying. Now it was over to his followers to work hard to gain their own salvation. Whereas Jesus' last words are, it is finished. Your salvation is complete. There's nothing more for you to add. And not only is there nothing more for us to add, but for us to try and add anything else would be an insult to his final sacrifice. 
So many people think that they are pleasing God by their good works. But because they are refusing to trust in Christ, those good works are an insult to God and only make them more guilty. Imagine someone gives you a present that you would never in a million years have been able to afford. And as they hand it to you, you start hooking in your pockets to find some loose change that you can give them as a contribution. Would they be pleased? No, they'd be offended. And for us to try and make it to heaven by our own good works is offensive to God. When he has provided the way already and all we have to do is accept it. Our own good works outside of Christ are horribly offensive to God. But one act of faith delights him. One act of faith, the the act of faith to put our trust in Jesus Christ is more pleasing to God than if we lived all our lives toiling and toiling and toiling to try and make it to heaven under our own steam. And if you think about it, surely if there had been anything left for us to add, surely Jesus would have been left wondering Wondering whether we would do enough. But Jesus didn't die like a a relay runner who, who had run the race of his life, but then had the hand on the baton to someone else to, to run to the finish line and then uh, watch on, wondering if they were going to make it. But instead, Jesus could die confidently. It is finished, is a shout of triumph. Jesus died knowing that all was accomplished. To give a very pale human illustration, William Wilberforce heard on his deathbed a few hours before he died that slavery was going to be abolished. Think of the joy that he would have died with knowing that his life's work had been successful. But that's nothing compared to the joy that Jesus died with. So Jesus' death on the cross finished a work that had been planned for eternity. His finished work on the cross means there's nothing more for us to add. Finally, briefly, and of particular relevance as we come to the Lord's table, we see what it cost him to finish his work. What it cost him to finish his work. What is it that sees a work started but not finished? So often it's the cost, isn't it? Building sites are are bought but never built on. Foundations are are laid but but the the house is not constructed. A, A whole development of houses is half built and left unfinished. Why? Often it's because of the cost. So what did it cost our Lord Jesus? Not just to begin his work, but to finish his work. Well, we get some insight into that, don't we? In his agony in the Garden of Gethsemane. And in some of the other cries from the cross that we've looked at so far... Not least that middle cry, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? 
Those cries give us a, a glimpse into what he was suffering, but only a little glimpse. As he went to the cross to bear the wrath of God in our place. This was a cost that no other could pay. No angel could pay it. Twelve legions of angels could have lifted Christ from the cross if he had so desired. But twelve legions of angels, twelve million legions of angels couldn't have lifted the burden of sin from us. They couldn't even have lifted it one inch. And so for Jesus to, to lift that burden and carry it away, he had to be God as well as man. Because only one who was infinite could bear the wrath of God. An eternity in hell would not be long enough for any of us to bear the penalty for our own sin, never mind the sin of anyone else. Because the sin against the infinite God demands infinite punishment. But on the cross, Jesus faced an eternity of suffering in those few hours. The fact that the time he spent on the cross was relatively short doesn't lessen the wonder of what he did. Far from it. But rather, it should deepen our sense of amazement as to what he achieved in that time. Because in that time he achieved what we could not have done for eternity. In those hours he drank the full cup of God's wrath that otherwise would have been drunk by every one of his people who, who had ever lived or would ever live. Just because it only took a matter of hours doesn't mean that it was easy. Because in those matter of hours our Lord Jesus descended to depths of suffering uh, that no one else has ever descended to. And for all eternity we will praise him for it. It was a day towards which all of history was building towards. And it's a day on which his people will look back on overwhelmed with gratitude for, for all eternity. What does a cross mean to you today? If it doesn't mean very much, well surely you're not yet one of his people. And if you are one of his people, have you considered what it cost the Lord Jesus that you might come to his table today? The Scottish theologian James Denny once marked that many don't think of reconciliation with God and acceptance into his favour as a big deal. They say, well, we have sinned, no doubt, but God is gracious. But although that's true, it's not the whole truth. To speak like that hides the unspeakable sacrifice at the cost of which God's pardoning and reconciling love comes to mankind. The unspeakable sacrifice at the cost of which God's pardoning and reconciling love comes to mankind. Of course, when our Lord says it is finished, we can take it as referring to both parts of his work. Those 33 years 
lived in perfect obedience before he went to the cross, living the life that every one of us have failed to live. But above all, what's in view here is his work on the cross, without which his perfect life would be of no benefit to us. Because we would still have had to face the wrath of God ourselves. But praise God that Jesus didn't just begin the work but finished it. And when he faced up to the most costly part of that whole endeavour he didn't draw back. But he accomplished, he finished the work his father had given him to do. And if he hadn't finished that work there would be no communion table today. There would be no salvation. There would be no hope. But because he finished his work, there is a table spread. There is salvation. There is hope. What a price he paid to make all this possible. No, uh, to make all this certain. And we do this in remembrance of him. Amen. Let's praise God now with words spoken by the Lord Jesus of his determination to finish his work. They're found in Psalm 40, Psalm 40 verses 6 to 9 on page 81. Psalm 40 at verse 6 on page 81. The words of verse 8 here are applied to the Lord Jesus in the book of Hebrews. Here I am, I've come as written in the scroll, O God, your will I love to do. And Jesus came as it had been written in the scroll in the book. He ran the race set before him and he completed the work that his father gave him to do. And as a result, eternal happiness lies before us. The marriage feast of the Lamb, of which this Lord's Supper is just a little foretaste. So Psalm 46 to 9 will stand and sing praise. <laughs> 